Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast, a peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Cassangina. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. I'm really excited to have a guy on the call with us today. Um, I'm really excited about this because I've learned about uh, uh, his stuff through um, through people like Justin Brooke of Ad Skills and and uh, the the Facebook group, which uh, uh, we are going to mention a bit later on. Which is uh, one of the few Facebook groups that I was just discussing with you, Travis. <laughs> it's one of the few that I actually value being connected to on Facebook. And most of them uh, um, I pretty much ignore. So I really appreciate you uh, sharing uh, some cool stuff with us today. So how are you today? I am awesome, man. Like uh, I gotta warn you. Like I've had my coffee this morning and I get really <laughs> nerded out on this stuff. So well, you're, you're <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try to keep it, I'll try to keep it calm and everything, but uh, yeah. I'm well, excited. You're, you're talking to a bunch of coffee geeks uh, uh, right now. So we're all ears, like I was saying before, but uh, um, yeah. So uh, for those of you who are um, uh, misinformed enough to not know who Travis Sago is, can you give us a brief intro and, uh, and tell us a bit of your story? Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm probably like a lot of uh, people like my business uh, morphs and adapts. Right. So right now I make most of my money uh, running my firm. And so what I, I call it a firm because what I do now is that I'm not uh, bashful at all. We're good enough at what we do over here. Yeah. Um, selling big ticket stuff using nothing but writing, no videos, no webinars that um, like we go to companies that have customer lists and I will go and uh, fund all the copywriting and everything it takes to sell their stuff through their email list and their direct mail list. And we're starting in the Facebook groups now, but we just do it on a revenue share. So we typically sell things that are- Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm 25, really yeah 25K and above, up to like 50K. Um, and so we just get, it's about 40% revenue share. Um, so. That's what I do to make my living, and then I teach when I feel like it. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I've, got, <laughs> yeah I, I've got a couple um, mastermind groups. Part of me, I love to innovate, but without somebody to share it with, it's kind of hollow, right? So, I love to innovate on how we're closing things with live chat and uh, you know doing three quarters of a million dollars with six hundred person Facebook groups. Um, but if I don't have anybody to share it with, it kind of yeah, yeah. Awesome, right so yeah I got started out uh, cut my teeth affiliate marketing um, made a lot of money in the relationship uh, advice space selling uh, lower ticket products and stuff and um, I was doing really really well got bored uh, <laughs> uh, my wife come to, me, come to me once she's like hey you're the most like self-correcting man I I've ever known but like the amount of scotch you're drinking lately like <laughs> kind of concerns me right and it, it, it's kind of like I'm a little embarrassed because it's like I was making you know millions of dollars a year I had I was barely doing anything right but I got bored like you know so yeah. I, that's when I started jumping into um, consulting and, and now I'm not, I don't do consulting for a fee we just do it as an investor and a revenue share mm -hmm. for the businesses right but um, yeah so we just kind of grown up from doing $37 products to um, you know, two thousand dollar products to twenty five and fifty thousand dollar products. Now we just I just helped somebody um, sign a deal for a hundred thousand dollar product. He's going to get a fifteen percent commission on. 
Uh, 15k, but I think you're a good man to know. Yeah. What was that? You're a good man to know. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Sometimes depends on what day you catch me. <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully today or Friday you've had your coffee and and uh, to hopefully today's a good day. So um, I think it will be. Awesome. So um, I was, I'm really interested in the way that uh, you do your high ticket sales because this is something that uh, you talk about a lot in the Facebook group, the Million Dollar Mojo Facebook group. Um, and uh, you just briefly mentioned it before, but you're uh, doing these uh, high ticket sales in a, in a completely different way than what everyone, pretty much everyone else is doing it. Can you take us uh, through um, uh, how you do that and, and how you found that, um, that this worked? Yeah, so uh, I try to make things super, super simple, and sometimes I oversimplify things. But one of the biggest breakthroughs um, that I had was when I really understood the difference between marketing and selling. Um, you know, there's that been people way smarter than me that made that distinction, and I've kind of read it and you know, just gone by it. But like Peter Drucker says, you know, the purpose of marketing is to make sales. He uses a fancy word, superfluous. I usually say yeah, not necessary, yeah. right? That's a better word. Yeah. yeah so, um, but my junior highway uh, of um, putting this is like imagining a golf course, right? And if you're standing at the tee, right, 500 yards away, and you, you, I don't golf much, but um, the drive from the tee onto the green or getting it close to the hole is your marketing, right? Um, and then the sales is just the putt, right? Um, what I see a mistake and what I did and I see a lot of people make now is not understanding the difference between the two. And so the telephone is a great sales tool, but the way I see most people using it is a marketing tool. They're like way so far back from the hole that they're expecting their closer or even them like to, to like take a putter out and do a hundred yard putt. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they don't. Yeah. That, that's why like it, the closing ratio is like one out of four when I, you know, out of ten. Now, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you understand the difference between marketing and sales, like my thing I always say is I want to get the, the conversion golf ball so close to the damn hole, a monkey could tap it. Yeah. 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 So and some people like until they've actually seen this, some people call bullshit on this, but I, I like for my programs and other people's programs, I use a notepad file. Like I will literally write out the offer in a notepad file and I'll deliver it to them. Right. And we have like 40, 50, 60% close ratios on a notepad file because the ball's so close to the hole, that's all we need to do, right? Um, and I'll fill up my whole program, never getting on the phone and just put the details in a notepad file, right? But I let marketing do its job, right? Uh, move the ball so close to the hole that a monkey could tap it in. We call it tapping, by the way. Um, and I find it, it, it works whether you have a 2K offer, a 25K offer, uh, 50k offer now I've, I don't go much above the 50k not I'm not saying it wouldn't do it right um, but that's kind of like the overlying principle um, or the magic trick yeah right now there's of course a lot of, a lot of ma magic tricks getting that ball closer to the hole 
right? Uh, which we can talk about if you want to. Um, but that's yeah, of course. the underlying principle, really. Yeah, and I mean, one of, one of the tricks that, uh, that I'm imagining right now would be uh, very important in getting that ball close to the hole is, is in the targeting of, of your audience, who you're uh, actually sending that to notepad file to. So yeah. um, how, do you, how do you approach that? How in-depth do you, do you target your market and define, uh, define who you're talking to? Yeah, so a lot really, like probably more, but I do it in a little different way, right? So one of the things I look at is what things would they need to have in order to be successful, right? Um, and I like it to be binary. I like to be like a yes or a no, Yeah. right? Is it binary, right? So like for my phoneless sales machine, when I am have that open, like if somebody comes to me like, I want somebody that has at least a thousand opens on their email or at least a thousand people on their Facebook group, right? Can you point to that? You can absolutely point to that. Yeah. Is that a yes or a no, right? Mm. Um, I also like if they start, if they're starting with at least a $500 offer, right? Um, not that it won't work on things underneath that, but at the investment that I ask for, I want them to make a return in the f first six emails or so, yeah, right? Sure. Right. Um, so those are like binary things, right? Those are like binary things that they can point at. Um, and then the, it can go to the more psychographic things like, um, do you hate writing? Because if you hate writing, this won't be for you, right? <laughs> um, uh, now, if they're trying to write better, I'm not the guy for that. Go to see Andre Chaperone or yeah. like what we specialize is writing like a sixth grader yeah. um, and making it fun um and moving the ball closer to the hole so we can just tap it in right but so i like to so it's different for every market but i look at like when i'm working with a, a partner or a client like I, I i don't like them to mentally masturbate on what they think the avatar is i say who is somebody that you work what's their name that you worked with right and tell me about them right yeah. um what, what assets did they have when they came to you like what what made it like you could only uh, work with people you could get a result for like what assets would you like them to have right um, and it could be like uh, you know uh, like I, I have another program that uh, I work with where I show basically copywriters and agencies how to stop working for um, you know 100 200 dollars an email and get big fat revenue share like we make thousands of dollars per email right by writing for a, re a revenue share right yeah but I used to release that out to everybody, right? And what I realized is that my copywriters and, and um, uh, agency owners were like the best people for that because they already had assets, right? They already had past clients they worked for uh, that they could go in and make a, an immediate success and get a partner right away, right? And start doing it for revenue share and making a lot more money. So I like to look at like what assets can we point at, right? Um, and then of course the person too makes a difference, right? So you've got you've got the assets and you've got the person, but most people don't look at the assets. They just like, Oh, he's 35. He's conservative over 35. He's a conservative business owner makes over this much amount a year. Right. Um, so I look at it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, the other way that you said most people do it, it just sounds like the very typical way that I've seen as well. Um, trying to define a customer avatar that way, but, um, I love the way that you uh, uh, can actually see those specific discrete 
assets that people either have or they don't have. Yeah. And so when I was in the relationship space, one of the things that I realized beyond all the demographics that made the biggest difference on conversions was, and I was one of the first to pioneer, like after a breakup, how to fix your relationship after a breakup, right? Most people are trying to improve their relationships, but I had okay. how to fix your relationship after a breakup, right? Yeah. One of the things that I realized, not the most clicked on ads or not the most open, but the ones that converted the most was how long ago had they broken up? If it was the more recent, the better, the more recent, the better beyond like six months or a year or so. Like, um, you know, if you're still chasing your ex after two or three years, you're probably cuckoo or crazy, right? <laughs> probably right? going to move to another area across the That's line. That's right. So when we run ads and we did stuff like the ads would be like, just break up question mark, right? Yeah. Um, and those weren't our most clicked ads, right? Um, they weren't our cheapest ads to run, but the conversions were way hmm. higher on those, right? So I like to find a situation or a symptom um, or something that they can raise their hand to. Like for, for my, my agency, Slant Firm, right? I say people don't understand when I say firm, so I'll just call it an agency. Yeah. But like one of the things is, do they use an expensive shopping cart? If they use Infusionsoft, like um, they probably have some experience, right? And they're more serious business owner than yeah. somebody yeah. that's like using a PayPal button. That, that's right, you know, um, right? So if they're investing several hundred to several, several thousand dollars into their shopping cart, that typically tells you something Mm. Um, about who they are. So I like those binary things, not like, yeah. hey, are you super motivated? <laughs> I'm looking for super motivated individuals. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like yeah. How, there, there's no binary to that. Yeah, because right? yeah, you, you go in sometimes and, and read a client's copy, the previous copy, and check their stats and everything. And if you don't apply those binary filters, you're trying to gauge their relationship with their list to see if you're going to be able to do something with it. And it's really um, a, uh, uh, it's kind of an art to it, but the way that, that you've uh, uh, put this thing together, you know, that, that's a lot more scientific way. And yeah, so I, I like to, yeah, I think looking for super motivated is fine, but you have to find a different binary way of asking it. So yeah. if you realize like, hey, um, the people that have done best with the program or whatever I'm selling are, ex salespeople that have been on commission and, and survived when they're yeah. on straight commission, right? Then that would be a binary question. Yeah, sure. Do you in the past or do you now hold a straight commission job where you supported yourself on it, right? Way more binary than yeah. I'm looking for super motivated individuals, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyone can say they're motivated, but that's right. Um, but unless, unless they're willing to go out and work for the for their paycheck, uh, um, as you and I have probably done in the past, uh, that that's a motivated person. So that's a good yes. way of putting it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So um, let's get back to the uh, uh, the nuts and bolts of the uh, of the, the system that, that you're doing for uh, closing high tickets uh, people. Because yeah. that's really interesting. Because uh, um, a lot of people listening to this podcast. Uh, are uh, copywriters and, and consultants who would like to charge, you know, and get 
you know, because anyone can charge 25 grand for a sales letter, but you know, whether you get it or not is a completely different story. That's right. So, so how, how do you, um, how do you uh, put the system together? Give me a, the broad overview of, uh, of how yes. you do everything. Okay. So, um, I'm just trying to figure out where to start here. So, so 60% of your sales success is just like this old mail order stuff is in the list that you're purchasing or the yeah. list. You're doing. Same thing. I don't care if it's a Facebook group or whatever. 60% of your success is just going to be in the people. Yeah. 30% of your sales success is in the offer that you're making. Hmm. 10% is in the copywriting, right? Now, yeah. when I say that, people are like, oh, you don't think copywriting is important. No, that'd be silly. That's like saying like my, my heart only takes up this much of my, Chess, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's not very important, right? Good point. Um, the copy, though, I view more as getting people to enjoy it, right? Making insights, I call them braingasms, right? To move them further across the, from the T to the whole, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but whether it sells or not has mostly to do with the op what offer are you making to the people, right? So that's where I spend a lot mm -hmm. of my focus because if, and I call this the elastic gap, right? If the, uh, the, let's say the par, you know, on this golf course is like, let's say we're doing a, a $50,000 offer, right? Yeah. Um, that might be like a par five other than like a hundred dollar offer might be like a, you know, putt, par putt, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know if there's a par one, but yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's part two, whatever it is, yeah. you know, um, but the offer is what's going to reduce that gap in between the, the drive and the, like it literally reduces the gap. If that offer is like, number one, it's not something they want, obviously, but here's the big thing is that like everything else, the, the more like it is everything else, the, the longer that, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's right. The, the, the longer you will have to hit the ball. That's right. So I call this a mini monopoly. Um, so the closer you can be the only solution for a particular person who wants to do a particular thing without a particular thing, right? It's almost yeah. a template, right? Yeah. The, the easier it's going to be for them to say yes and be like, oh my God, this is exactly what I've been needing. This is what's been missing, right? Um, all along, right? So I spend a lot of my time figuring out, uh, couple things, right? Um, why haven't they gotten the result that they wanted with everything else is out there? What don't they like about the options that are out there, right? I always picture like a person on Hell Island, right? Like and I named that person Pat, but Pat's yeah. sitting on Hell Island, right? Whatever the hell is like over there, yeah. right? And Pat wants to get to Heaven Island, right? Yeah. Um, whatever that Heaven Island might be, right? And then there's obstacles in the way, which are like sharks and water and, you know, um, and then, you know, but, but she's had like salespeople come up to them and try to sell them like a raft blueprint, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm going to give you a raft blueprint, right? <laughs> Yelled out money for a raft blueprint, right? Yeah. And the, the raft blueprint calls for bamboo. Well, the only problem is there's no bamboo. Yeah. On yeah. The, right? So that doesn't work, right? Or they, they try to build a, a boat, right? And, and she, they send off one of their friends in it and they, 
they watch it disintegrate in <laughs> halfway across and get eaten by sharks, right? So there's all these different options, right? And Pat's still on Hell Island for a reason, right? And of course, one of the big things that one of the, always the big competition is, is not doing anything, right? Not doing anything at all or the do it yourself, right? Like yeah. a restaurant's biggest competition isn't the joint right next to him, right? Or across the street, it's, it's people eating at home, yeah. right? Um, and that may not be so as true anymore. I think people like eat more, like eat less and less at home, especially like Uber Eats and you, sure, know, sure. <laughs> um, you know, so that may be less true, but like usually the, the biggest competition that you have is uh, not doing anything, right? So you really have to understand what are the costs in time, money, energy, reputation. I call this timer, by the way. Um, what are the costs? of all your competitors, right? Or all the things out there that they could be, including what they're doing themselves, right? And then you position your offer inside of that, right? So like phoneless sales machine, right? So um, that really appeals to like coaches and experts that spend a lot of time on the phone, right? Um, they got their whole day schedule with strategy sessions, right? And they wanna yeah. get off of the phone, right? Yeah. Um, one of the first people to offer that, like there's all kinds of ways that you can sell stuff, right? Um, but doing it off of the phone, selling big ticket stuff, like I'm pretty much the only game in town, right? So it makes it really, it makes it easy for me to sell it from Notepad or from a little 30 minute video that you can tell how mumbly I am, but I'll put up a little 30 minute video, right? Like blah, 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 right? And I'll just send it to the video and they're like, oh, okay, you know, we're getting, 50, 60% conversions on $30,000 offers from a video um, because of the mini monopoly offer there. So you gotta, like, you don't have to have a mini monopoly offer, but like whether you're doing, like if you can do 60 minute strategy sessions or you can do six minute strategy sessions, right? Um, the more mini monopolistic your offer is, right? Uh, the more you can be the only person to get somebody out of something they're fed up with, right? And it, if it's new and exciting, right, the much shorter that path's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, um, that's some of the, the, the most fascinating insight that I've, I've had into the way you do things. And, and, uh, and you know, I was half expecting you to jump sort of straight into the technical stuff like I sent out this email or I sent out this chat or this text. Um, but the way you've gone over that groundwork is really important because the guy, a guy who's listening to this podcast will uh, really appreciate that insight into into all this prep work and, and how you can't come up with that mini mini monopoly offer um, and, uh, and do that all that stuff before you send out anything. So that's really valuable. That it really is, and I think especially if you're a copywriter, I get sucked in this trap. We think we stress so much about the writing. Yeah. Right. Oh, if we're not making sales, we think it's the writing that, that's yeah. the problem, right? Um, you know, and again, I'm not saying the copywriting is not important. It's how we deliver our insight, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Whether people buy or not is usually like, it, 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 and I usually often say like my 20 years of marketing experience or 30 years, whatever it is, um, is pretty much boiled down into this, into this sentence. Find out 
what people are absolutely fed up with right now, like make a difference right now in the present moment. Find out what they're absolutely fed up with, right? And give them a new and exciting way out, right? And I add to that, if you're the only person that can do that, get ready to get rich, right? That's how idiots get rich, right? Um, right, if you're the only person, right? So that's like my 30 years, and that's what all I do, is I try to figure out what is it they're fed up with right now, that if they could just write a check for five grand, 10 grand, and get out of that pain, that they would do it, right? But that's not what a lot, like, like I turn a lot of offers around, right? Um, because we're entrepreneurs, and, and so we have a tendency to write about Heaven Island. Yeah. Like how wonderful it is on Heaven Island. Like, yeah. Cause we try right. to sell it. Let, let's pretend like you're on hell Island and I'm on heaven Island and I'm trying to get you to come across. Right. So I'm like, Brian, don't you want this bag of million dollars? Like it's a million dollars in the bag. Right. And to, to add to the problem, like I'm not listening to what you're saying. I can't even hear you. Right. Mm-hmm. I can see your lips moving and you're telling me something, but I'm like, what's wrong with this dude? He doesn't want the million dollars. I yeah. know what I'll do. I'll put $10 million in the bag. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Surely that will do it, right? So I put ten million. I'm like, come on, man! Aren't you serious about making money? Come on, <laughs> come swim across, right? And I can see your mouth moving, right? But I'm like, what's wrong with this dude? Like, you yeah. know? So then I get two bikini models, right? One male, one female. It's because I, if I don't know your persuasion, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> right? Like, you know, you have to cover all bases. Come on, come on. Like, and then I'm like, oh, what's wrong with that, dude? But, like, if I could only listen to what your mouth was saying, like, you're like, I can't swim across because there's sharks in the water. Yeah. Right? So, I, all I need to do is figure out a solution for you to get across without it. Wasn't it's not about making the the sugar sweeter on hell island or heaven island right yeah yeah right but now if your island caught fire right and you have the the choice between burning up like yeah. or taking whatever way across like risking the sharks yeah trying to outswim the sharks you'll probably do that right um so a lot of times there's more motivation to getting out of the present pain right but coming up with the way to get across that's going to work for Pat, mm. right? Mm. Pat might say like, yeah, like a boat would be a good answer, but like I get really, really nauseous with gasoline fumes, right? So you're like, oh, gasoline makes you sick. Like the smell of the fume. Yeah, it makes me sick, right? Well, what if I had an electric boat that had no fumes? It's a little bit more expensive, right? But we could get you across as nice and sturdy, right? But no nauseousness. Would you pay a little bit extra to get across? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. Right. So it's all about figuring out the new and exciting way to get from hell Island to heaven Island, right? Making, making it sweeter, describing what they could do with the money even better is not going to get them to come across as much as figuring out a better option to get them across. So that's why I'm all about million dollar offers, right? It's like, (laughs) figure out that offer, everything gets simpler. Yeah, yeah, I heard a couple of things which uh, um, uh, form the basis of the way you've expanded on that. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the late great Gary Halbert said um, something like, I'm just paraphrasing, um, uh, 
what you uh, what you say is a lot more important than how you say it. And that ties into something I heard on an old Paul Hartunian course many years ago, 10, 15 years ago. And he said, uh, you know, imagine the scenario where, um, uh, you know, you're waiting in the doctor's office and, uh, and you're in the, and waiting for surgery, you need a heart transplant. And you're in there with 50 other people and, and, uh, and the doctor uh, comes shuffling in, he's got his head down and just mumbling quietly, you know, I've, I've got a heart for one person who, who needs a heart transplant. Yeah, everyone's going to be all ears. You don't need good stuff right. yourself. <laughs> That's, that's a great point. Yeah, I remember the Gary Halbert story, um, or not story, but I think it was, uh, you know, if I called you up and, and your, your wife is giving birth, does it matter how I say it? Like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how I say it, right? Like, yeah. your wife's giving birth, like, oh my God, like you're gonna get an action out of that, right? So that, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it, right? But a lot of times, like, it, it, and I'm just, I, I don't wanna make fun of people, but like, I'm sure we've all seen like where their offers like I'm gonna 10x your I'm gonna 10x your revenue right well, like everybody's saying that right it's, it's just yeah. like it's immediate bullshit right like yeah, yeah. I mean gonna... it's true you're, you're not uh, it's it's not a it's not a mini monopoly by any chance it's it's no. com- the complete opposite that's right yeah so <laughs> yeah it's like then it becomes just like it almost becomes like. Uh, garlic to a vampire like, yeah. <laughs> like it, it becomes a repellent right it's like oh lord here we go again oh oh i know what we're gonna do we're, i'm gonna help you systematize your business yeah <laughs> oh my lord like how many times have you seen that right like yeah. um you know i've seen that since 2003 so it's not new that, that's right like the second you see systematize you're like oh yeah, it's not the new and exciting way out, right? Like you just have to yeah. maybe come up with a different way to say it, right? Or a new and exciting way to say it, right? Yeah, that, that's um, where, you know, you can pre-frame stuff like that, you know, uh, frame it in a different way and, and uh, make it, uh, um, you know, seem as though it, it's unique. I mean, is it, uh, um, is it still powerful to have a perceived uh, monopoly and a, a perceived uniqueness about your offer or should, does it really need to be absolutely unique? I think, yeah, I, I think that um, it actually needs to be there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, assuming or that at least something- Or at least communicated. Say. Like a lot of the partners, I people I work with, they, they actually do have uh, some type of mini monopoly. They just don't see it, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, mostly because exactly. they, they're trying to be like more to everybody. Like a really good example is I was working with a, a female business coach and, you know, we're like trying to narrow down on kind of what her mini monopoly is. Right. And she's like, I don't know. Like, I just work with women business coaches. Right. Um, but as we got, I call it the uncomfortable dance. We kind of talked around a little bit. Like she's like, you know, one of the things that I do a lot and help um, my women with is like, she, and she even labeled it. She says, I, I call myself an approval addict. You know, I used to be an approval addict, right? Like I couldn't do anything unless I got everybody's approval. On yeah, yeah. And I'm like, are your clients like that? Do you help them with that? She's like, oh my gosh, yes. You know? And I'm like, well, there's your, like, you're the only women's business coach that helps recovering approval addicts or people that are having problems with approval addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. And it made it like, well, shit, this is the coach for me. Like, but what people don't want to do that is like, Oh, what about, what about everybody else? That's not approved. Then I won't, then I won't get, then I won't get them. Right. Like, so, um, but sometimes you just have to engineer it. 
sometimes you have to go in, you have to say like, how can I make a better widget, right? How can I make this, uh, give them something um, that's not out there, right, in the market? Mm -hmm. And that goes back to, um, uh, I just forgot his name now, dang it. Um, but marketing and innovation are the t only two things that make money in a business. Everything else is an expense, including so Peter Drucker, was it? Yeah, Peter Drucker. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah, same guy, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the only things that make money in a business, and I'm bastardizing what he said. So if you want to go look it up, that's fine. But it was pretty much like the only thing that makes money in a business <laughs> is marketing and innovation. Everything else is an expense, right? Mm -hmm. So you constantly, because the water changes right in between hell and heaven island and different boats come out different options it's always changing right so you always got it you have to be constantly innovating what what you do um to provide that mini monopoly right uh to people right so and sometimes old is new right like i'm going doing more and more direct mail right because it's easy for me to get in with big companies because they have big um uh, direct mail buyers list, but they're not doing anything with it. Right. Like, um, so I just come in and say, Hey, if I funded your postage and the copy and did everything and made it turnkey, right. Um, would you give me a percentage of it? Right. Um, and so I call it a trash can asset. Right. Um, cause they're not doing anything with it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I just come in and, and monetize it for them for a piece of the revenue. Right. Um, now if I was to go in and try to, change their front end sales process, right? I would have a much harder job because there's a lot of other competition right there. It's like, I don't understand why so many people want to get in on the front end. Like I only work on the back end. Like there's so many people like helping sell front end products and yeah. front end agents. Like we all know the money's in the back end. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah why not? Like, so I used to call my uh, agency a back end agency. We just worked on stuff on the back end, right? Um, Anywho, I'm getting off on a tangent there, but that, that was my unique difference, right? Like everybody else will help with their Facebook ads and all that kind of stuff for a revenue share, not I mean not for, for a retainer every month. It, it may or may not be guaranteed, right? And all these kind of different things, right? So when I come in and say, look, let me provide the energy, the muscle, the brains, the skill, the money and everything to do this. And you just pay me, uh, cut me a check if we're successful with it. It's like, where have you been all my life, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> and that re required innovation, right? Mm. That wasn't just like fancy um, wordsmithing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's a really um, uh, uh, a business model that's really built for the future, you know, especially uh, if uh, um, the economy takes a turn for the worse again, you know, which, uh, uh, you know, it's been more than 10 years, so knock on wood. Uh, hopefully it holds off a bit longer, but you know, um, uh, I think this was this comes from something that uh, Justin Brooks has been talking about on Facebook as well. You know, uh, uh, how uh, models like the one you're talking about have a lot a brighter future in the in the short term, especially if if uh, if we have another crash like 2008, where people are will be wanting to uh, do it this way rather than uh, give you a, a write you a huge check up front. Yeah, more people are. Um, looking to how do I take advantage of the resources that I already have that I just don't have the time or energy or the know-how already on the team, right? So they look at like how can they people get much more resourceful. It's like the old toilet paper, right? Like when the yeah. when the when the roll's full, 
you, yeah. <laughs> you have that last square, right? You get way more resourceful with it. Yeah. The same thing like recession, like people will take a harder look at, oh, here's my direct mail list. Here's my, you know, what else could we be doing? Yeah, what, how can we get more um, fruit off of this apple? Like right now, in my opinion, most businesses, they go out and they buy an apple, they take one or two bites out of it and they throw the rest of it in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Right, which is great for people like me because I'm like, oh my goodness, look at all the fruit still on this thing, yeah. right? If I can get more fruit off it, would you give me half of it? And they'd be like, yeah. Like, and you, and you, didn't even, you didn't even have to pay for it, which is the traffic cost. You didn't have to pay for any of that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Right. So I get them to continue to uh, drive leads and and do all that kind of stuff, right? Go out and buy the apples. They take their one or two bites out of it, right? They yeah. throw it in the corner for me, yeah. <laughs> right? It, but there's still most of the fruit left on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the bulk of it is still there. You know, they're just picking up uh, what they can off the, off the front end and, and thinking that, uh, that that's all there is. Yeah, and, and Lord help you if you get in the way of those one or two bites, right? One of the things I always say is like, I just want to bake people a new pie, right? I want to bake them a new pie. Um, but like if you're on the pie, like they're, if they got a pie in front of them and they're eating it right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, can I have a piece of that? Like, ah! Right. That's, <laughs> that's why it's so hard. Like when you're working yeah. on people's front ends, like if you're a Facebook aid at, you know, a media buying agency or doing anything on the front end, they're like, you're trying to get a piece of my pie. Right. But when you say, <laughs> Hey Brian, I baked you a new pie. Like, can I, can I get a big hunk of it? Oh, you're yeah. like, give me a pie. Yeah. Right. It's like, so it's, <laughs> it's a, a, a way different offer. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where um, all the positioning comes into it and, and the uh, the preframing of it. So that's right. Um, that's that's really um, uh, a very powerful foundation. I love I love the fact that you haven't uh, really dived into the tactical stuff uh, yet. This has all been uh, building up to that. You know, we've been talking about this for half an hour, and it's all this uh, um, crazy valuable stuff that people need to know. And yep. I've been learning a lot of stuff myself. I've got my own notes and. And uh, um, uh, this is all that prep work that goes in before you even send out uh, uh, any, any messages or emails. Yeah, I, it really is. So like, it would be fine and dandy. Like I, I use this example a lot. Everybody's probably in this group's probably seen Star Wars. And I, I don't, I'm not a big Star Wars aficionado, but the first one that came out in 1977 when I was like 11 years old, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a classic story against good versus evil. Darth Vader is the evil, yeah. right? He's the personification of the evil. And, you know, Luke Skywalker's mentor is Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Yeah. And Obi-Wan Kenobi comes and gives him a mini Monopoly offer, right? Uh, or a plan, right? And that plan is use the force, Luke, right? Hmm. Well, Luke just doesn't say, oh, thanks, Obi-Wan, and goes and kicks ass, right? Like, he, does, he doesn't trust it at first, right? Because what he's doing is he's looking at that offer, looking at that offer, right? In conjunction of all the other things that he could do, right? So this is kind of where the, the rest of the story comes in, right? Like, I'll just take this, uh, you know, Agora calls like maybe the mini monopoly offer, like the big idea, not exactly, but it's like the big idea, right? Mm. But then after you present that, right, then there's going to be objections to it, right? Um, or... You're gonna to have to, you're gonna to have to position, right? 
what's available to this in the timer aspects, the time, identity, money, energy, reputation, right? Um, and appeal to the ones that are more appealing to them. But so the big, the big thing, like this is the way Agora trains their copywriters, uh, their, their newbie copywriters, they, and they, they brag a little bit saying, we can take a newbie copywriter and have them converting almost as much as a veteran copywriter because all they do is they come up with a big idea, right? And to me, like the mini monopoly offer is more than the big idea, right? It's actually, um, you know, Jim Rohn said, find something good to say, say it well, say it often, right? But most people yeah. skip like step one and sometimes skip step two, they just say a bunch of stuff often. Right? Say it often. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so you got to have something good to say, right? Yeah. Saying it well to me is the big idea, right? Yeah. So the mini monopoly offers having something good to say, saying it well is the big idea, right? Uh, but even after that, what Agora says after that, all they do is, is come up with every single objection that they could have mm. and they handle those. I call these sharks, right? So once we, we, we just got to harpoon sharks, right? Yeah. From Hell Island to Heaven Island, right? We got to harpoon the sharks or show them how we're going to get around it, right? Now, the good thing is, is we don't have to have the perfect product or the perfect service. It's like the old joke about um, outrunning a bear. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your friend, the guy, yeah. <laughs> right? So you just have to outrun what they're already doing, yeah. right? Um, and position it in those ways. So kind of the tactics to this is like what, once you have your, um, your mini monopoly offer, right? Then first you talk about benefits like anything else, right? You got to get the dopamine going, right? Um, and I use a uh, transactional analysis, which is a field of psych psychology for my sequencing, right? But first you got to have to make him go, ah, I want that. That's the dopamine. Ah, I want that. Right. But then their finger goes to their temple for the logic. Mm. How do you do it? Mm. Right. And then their hands go on their hips and they say, I've yeah. seen that before. Right. <laughs> or is this like this? Right. So that's the judger. So yeah. in transactional analysis, they said, this is way back when they said, you have three tapes running in your head. You had child. <gasps> I want this. It's just a gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Right. But then you have the logic that comes in, which is the adult. And then you have the judger, which is the parent, right? So the tactic side of this is like when we start out moving the ball from the T closer to the hole, we start out with present pain, right? Nothing it gets the dopamine going, like getting out of present pain or dealing with the present pain, mm -hmm. right? Okay. But why haven't they got out of this present pain, right? So this, we start to introduce our mini monopoly. Why? Why? Why do they still have the problem, right? Uh, what's the real What's the real problem, right? And you know, we introduce that, right? And they start to get. They're like, "Oh, I see," right? Um, but they're still not convinced yet, right? Um, it's like Luke hearing from Obi Wan Kenobi, "Use the Force," right? They want, they see it, they kind of want it, but they're going to need to check out that bridge a little bit more, yeah, right? Yeah. That it's going across. They want to feel it be sturdy. That's that's what a lot of the movies about, right? When he's doing, when he's got a blindfold on and he's got his lightsaber and that orb's going around and, yeah. and they're teaching him how to use the yeah. that's stuff, yeah. that, that's like the the copy, right? Of once we introduce the mini monopoly and the big idea of us helping them feel more comfortable with that, right? 
Um, and all objections fall into five categories, which we've been talking about. They fall into time, identity, money, energy, and reputation, right? Um, a lot of people cover, cover the money one and maybe even the time one, but their biggest ones are um, energy. What's the, the, the cost and energy going to be to make this change, right? Yeah. Uh, and also identity and reputation. Like most copy doesn't take those into account. If you're asking somebody, like let's say you're asking a, um, a 35-year-old woman, right, who's got a family and a husband to change and, and go on a diet, right? Um, but how is that going to affect her reputation? Not, she's got to like tell all of her friends, she's got to tell her family that she's going on yet another diet, right? That's a, yeah. that's an objection, right? Whether she wants to lose the weight or not, like you can't just stay on heaven Island saying, Hey, don't you want to look like this? Right. Yeah. It's like, Oh man, like if I fail yet again, like what am I going to, you know? So, but okay. those are hardly ever handled. Right. So the tactics of this are, to um, talk about the present pain, talk about why they're still in pain or that people are still in pain, they haven't found a solution to this, and then bring in a mini monopoly, right? And the rest of it is just handling objections. Um, and that can go on for a long time, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Uh, but every time you handle an objection, right, they move closer and closer to the hole, mm -hmm. right? Um, how do you like um, extract those objections if you're, uh, <clears throat> let's say you're, uh, um, probably the best way with what you're currently doing is, is that, let's say you're uh, talking to someone on Facebook Messenger. Um, yep. You're using that, uh, that system to close a, a high ticket sale. Um, you haven't sent your, um, well, I don't know if you sent your final offer or not yet, but uh, um, you're trying to get out the objections. How do you, dig deep into the ones that people aren't really thinking about or don't really want to, um, you know, dive into psychologically. Yeah. So I'm so glad you asked that. So let's go back to the golf course. I know I'm throwing a lot of metaphors and frameworks, but let's go, back, let's go back to the golf course, right? In my experience, what most marketers do, uh, business owners or copywriters is they're, they're at the tee off, but they've got a blindfold on. And so they're hitting the, the ball, but they don't know where on the field it's landing, right? And they may have a spotter that says, no, it didn't go in the hole. Nope, like way far off, right? But as mojo men and mojo women, we use what's called chat mojo. So I like surveys, but surveys has not nearly been as accurate for me as getting somebody when they have their wallet halfway pulled out, right? I'm using a phone for a wallet, but sometimes it is, right? <laughs> But so we, we have a couple, and I can't go into it all here, but I can give a, a overview. But one of the things we do is called a dial-in, an offer dial-in process. But so we always have like, whether it's a web page or what have you, we'll have a live chat set up. And so we want to find out two things. What, are the, what is their currency? Basically, what is the present pain that they're trying to get out of? And what objections do they have to the um, plan that we have, right? So we have a structured way we ask those questions, but generally it's like, um, once we got the conversation rolling, it's like, um, what has you considering a change in blank? What has you considering a change in um, how you're handling your investments, right? 
right? And they'll tell you. And what we're looking for is trigger points. Like what's the pain that they're in right now, right? Um, we did a land investing program. We said, um, you know, what has you considering um, doing some land investing, right? And a lot of it was like, hey, I'm getting ready for retirement and I just want some supplemental income, right? Uh, but we'd go deeper, right? Supplemental income, question mark, right? Yes, um, and we just take them deeper and deeper, right? Um, and then we'd say, what else other than supplemental income? What else are you looking for? And it's usually never the first thing that they tell you. Yeah, yeah, it's never the right? first thing. You say, well, I want something fun to do. Fun, what's important about the fun aspect? And a lot of these guys were like engineers, they were people that had made some good money, right? But their job was boring to them, right? So they didn't want to do boring shit after they yeah. retired, right? Yeah. Um, and then another one was, and this was a big one too, I want something I can do with my family. I want something I can do with my wife, right? That was a huge one um, because a lot of them had felt disconnected from their families, right? So, and then we would say, which one of those are most important to you, right? And it was like, I'm just doing it from memory, but it was like fun, something I could do with my family, supplemental income, right? Now, one of the things we did with that um, was we came up and made a mini monopoly offer. And that was not only going to get logins just for them, but they're going to get logins for their whole family. We called it the legacy bonus, right? Yeah. You get logins for their whole family, right? Because what we were really selling was not land investing, but them to feel like a coach coaching their kids in how to do this land investing and they could all do it together, right? Yeah, yeah. This gave us a mini monopoly offer, right? But then we're also looking for sharks, right? We call them sharks. What are the objections? What is it that they don't like about the plan? Um, and so we just asked them really, really frankly, we're like, hey, you won't hurt my feelings at all, but what stops you from, from doing this? What stops you, right? And one of the big things that we uncovered was like, well, you're saying we can go buy land for like 5,000, as little as $5,000, but when I open my newspaper, like the lowest amount I see land for is like 30 grand, 50 grand. So I, I don't, I think you're bullshit. Right. Yeah. Um, which was kind of interesting because the whole thing was predicated on, he had a, a direct mail campaign to, to send out to um, landowners that didn't really want the land anymore. They inherited it. Now all it was to them was a tax burden. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we just started doing copies like, Hey, um, you know, a lot of you have, have called bullshit on us, right? They say, you're, look, you're opening your newspaper, you're looking at land, you're like, there's nothing available for under five grand. But that's exactly why you need this program, right? Because we figure out how to get the, the, the land that you can get before it comes onto the market for $5,000 and less, right? And so by opening those things, like we opened up the, the offer flow on them, right? So we use live chat at the moment they're considering doing the doing yeah, the program, yeah. right um i don't want to get political but there's a world of difference between surveys and polls yeah and what people do when once they're actually in the voters booth yeah right? yeah sure two different things right i don't care if it's yeah. five minutes before or five minutes after what happens in the voting booth it can be way different than any of those polls say, right? So I'm not poo-pooing surveys. I think they can get you going the right direction, right? But yeah, yeah. The uh, um, the problem with some surveys uh, is, uh, you know, the uh, um, the kind of uh, information you get from uh, basically the information about survey takers and people who take surveys. 
whereas uh, um, uh, it's unlikely that most most uh, audiences, uh, many people are in there, will be will be survey takers. So, um, there might be people who uh, ignore surveys completely, and then you're you're just not getting any of that information at all. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I love how um, how the uh, uh, <clears throat> the way you're doing this. It, it's the immediacy. It's what they're feeling right then and there. Like you say, right when they're right in the voting booth. That's uh, uh, really fascinating. Uh, to me, like I, when I started out uh, in business, um, I went online pretty quick, but I, I also did a lot of direct mail. And, you know, you've got to uh, wait a month for your display ad to come out, and then you've got to send out the letters, and then and then wait for res the response there. Then uh, then Google AdWords came out, and then you could yeah. uh, start uh, getting uh, uh, data in in uh, in within twenty minutes. And uh, now with, uh, with social media and, and chatting platforms and stuff like that, you know, um, things like uh, uh, WhatsApp and Line are apps that are popular in Asia where, um, and people do business over them and, and people chat back and forth and they, they can send, uh, they can buy products and services with bank transfers and such. And, and it's that immediacy that the, that the person on the other end of that phone right then and there um, that, that you're getting that, that, it's like a direct conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so let me just make this super clear. So it's useful for your audience, right? What do you think we did after somebody, after we made, we've like, Oh, what they're buying is fun. Not so much the supplemental income. I mean, that's a piece of it, right? Yeah. You think we just said, Oh, that's interesting information and like file that. <laughs> and then, no, that's our next email. Right. Mm -hmm. If we had an email queued up about like, why land investing over house investing? Like, screw that. Like, they're buying. Yeah, get rid of that. Oh, yeah. Get, right? yeah. So yeah. The, the conversations that we're having actually feed the campaign, right? We're like, oh, here's one reason they're not buying is because they think we're, there's no mm. land underneath 5,000 available, right? So when you start, like, writing your copy, we'll get people like, oh, my God, I was just thinking that. I was just, like, having yeah. that, you know, uh, thinking that, right? Because we're in there, right? We're using we're using real data. We're not going in the corner. I don't. Uh, hopefully, you can edit this out. But we're not going in a corner somewhere and mentally masturbating, right? <laughs> what do I think the problem is? Yeah. Right. Find out. No, what the problem we're like is. we're actually there. Like. Yeah, yeah. Right. In real time. That's right. So those are kind of the, the tactical things, right? Um, that we do right uh, and what's really cool is like once you've got once you've got like the currency what they're really buying and you know the objections right and you put those in then your then your um, campaign pretty much like really works well regardless sometimes of what you're saying yeah. <laughs> right or how you're saying it you know if, if you hit those uh if you hit those hot buttons then uh you know that's what uh, makes people buy and what I've, I've done um uh, 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 direct sales before, like I've been in in someone's living room and signed them up to uh, to buy something, and and they're looking around like uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I just bought, but I know that you solved my problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when when you get it right, you know, uh, people um, will just buy it to solve their problem. They won't like the uh, product is is almost secondary. You know, it's still it's still very important but they're buying because of the problem that you're solving.
Yeah, I, I call it like selling the people when their hair's on fire. Yeah. Right. Like if you if you have to describe all the features of your fire extinguisher, like oh, it throws out this much CO two, their yeah. hair's probably not on fire. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if their hair's on fire, they're just like, shut up. Just, yeah. You're not going to stop and read the instructions. Hang on, let me step through. Step through. That's right. You know, spray it. Yep. Yeah. So that that's really um, something that can turbocharge so much copy and so many offers that I see out there. And it's it's one of the things that I've really uh, learned from the Facebook group Million Dollar Mojo. Um, uh, The way that you put together those offers, both the offers that you put out. And the training that you do in the group is is uh, uh, really um, opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of stuff. So that's why I wanted to. That's, that's great. That's why that's why I wanted to finish up by highly recommending this group. And I know I, I spoke to you uh, just before about uh, mentioning this group at the end uh, uh, to hang out with you and and keep learning some of your stuff. So yeah. you are all set up for that. Yes, sir. So. I, I say this kind of braggadocious thing, but I make most of my money doing this stuff. I really don't have anything, any, like my masterminds are full. Um, I teach when I feel like it. Um, right now I'm not feel liking it much, but the, the best way, if you want to connect with me and get some of this stuff, um, you can just go to your Facebook and search a million dollar offer mojo group. Um, or I've got a little URL set up that'll redirect. And it's million dollar offer mojo.com. Um, and that's, if you just put that in there, milliondollaroffermojo.com, it'll redirect you to the group. But I'd love to have you. Um, it's where I give all my kind of free stuff. And, and Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like there. I was saying, uh, um, it's one of the few groups on Facebook where I actually pay any attention and get any value out of. So if you're listening on iTunes, then I will um, put that URL up on, on the website at geniusesofcopywriting.com. Um, or you can uh, just go to the URL or just search on Facebook and join yeah. the group because uh, it is uh, um, uh, one of the more valuable groups uh, that I've had on this. And especially since, uh, you know, you don't do much training outside of that. I'm kind of uh, um, waiting uh, with bated breath for you to uh, uh, sell something like the, the TD program or the Rainmaker and all that sort of stuff, which, uh, which I've uh, kind of learned about secondhand. Uh, from other people, but uh, um, but the products themselves are frustratingly unavailable. So that is uh, uh, the group that you need to be in to start learning about the stuff. Brian, I'm so honored you say that because uh, um, that means a lot to me coming from you. So, um, but I love copywriters. I love um, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I am like I love I am people, right? Yeah. I do. I really do. I love internet marketers. I love copywriters. There's nobody I'd rather have over for dinner at my house, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, so, all right. So I, I really appreciate uh, everything you've, uh, uh, given You're so us welcome. Here today. Uh, um, I will definitely have to have you back on the show if you'd be interested, uh, another time. Um, if I can twist around to do that, cause I know that, uh, we've just sort of, scratch the surface of, of everything you're doing. Um, but the group, uh, Million Dollar Mojo, uh, uh, definitely join that group. Come and hang out with, uh, with me and Travis in there. Um, uh, Travis said it's uh, an amazing group that you've got going there. And I appreciate you sharing some of that stuff on the call today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks. We'll have to talk very soon. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Cass and Gina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.